0: Welcome to firmer ground from SRM where we explore trends and strategies impacting the current and future state of financial institutions in North America and across the globe. My name is Paul Davis, host of today's podcast and director of market intelligence at SRM. Every episode features experts from the world of banking and financial services, including thought leaders here at SRM, executives at future thinking financial institutions, and other experts from all corners of the industry. In this episode, I speak with SRM's digital assets guru, Larry Pruss, on another emerging topic of financial services, tokenizing assets. When discussing digital assets, most financial experts are aware of cryptocurrency. But today, we're going to look at how tokenization leverages blockchain technology to represent the ownership rights of real world assets. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi everyone. Paul Davis here, director of market intelligence at SRM. My guest in the studio today is Larry Press, uh, managing director and in-house expert on the blockchain and its many applications. Prior to joining SRM, Larry spent years in a variety of executive and advisory positions, including key roles at National Bank of Canada and Bank of America. Today, we're going to discuss Larry's assessment of asset tokenization and how financial institutions can leverage it to better serve their clients. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us today larry
1: you're welcome looking forward to it
0: so let's let's get into the 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 technicalities and the terminology first of all you know larry what what exactly is tokenization and, and what types of assets can be tokenized
1: yeah so um what tokenization is is probably best to start with what it's not uh tokenized assets are not cryptocurrency Uh, Larry Fink recently said next generation of securities will be tokenized securities. So tokenization is really more of a process than a thing. It's a process of replacing items of value with tokens that reflect um, that value. Pretty much anything can be tokenized, whether that's digital or real world assets. So things like artwork, bonds, securities, uh, commodities, Anything that has value, um, music could be tokenized, uh, digital uh, art could be tokenized.
0: So is that kind of uh, tie into the, the term NFT, Larry, or is that uh, separate?
1: I mean, n- non-functional token could be considered a, a token of sorts. It's more of a digital title to a to, to a real or a digital asset, but it, it, it's similar. Uh, most of the time when we talk about tokenization, we're talking about security token tokens or tokenized securities. Um, it's kind of like an IOU for that underlying asset.
0: Okay. Um, well, you know, Help us understand what are the benefits for tokenizing uh, real-world assets?
1: Yeah, so the, the benefit, if you think about real-world assets, and again, those things being like bonds, even deposits, real estate, commodities, securities, et cetera, uh, the benefit would be you know those things exist today, and we trade them, we, we trade them on today's traditional rails, which have lag times, may or may not be global. Um, and what tokenization does is puts those things on chain. so puts them on the blockchain. So it has a number of advantages. One is growth and liquidity. So as a result of lowering the threshold for entering the market and minimum transaction size, you can get growth and liquidity because you can offer much smaller tranches of that uh, item. Um, Attracting retail investors with smaller amounts of capital trade what would be traditionally expensive and low liquid assets. So again, think about bonds. Um, It's infinitely divisible, so you can fractionalize items. Because it is on the blockchain, it has less intermediaries. So you you may not need a trader or a broker to trade that, that item. It can trade on the blockchain. So less intermediaries mean generally faster settlement and less expense. Also you have improved security. Information can be recorded on the blockchain that cannot be changed or deleted. You also have improved transparency. And then uh, you can also automate those activities via smart contracts. So the idea of automating tokenized assets is is very appealing. And then finally, you know, like with anything blockchain related, you can trade 24, 7, 365 and you can trade worldwide.
0: So it would also seem like the transactional nature of this would be a much faster way to transfer ownership of those assets.
1: Yeah, that, that's right. In fact, there's a couple examples of companies already doing that. Um, so JP Morgan is using blockchain and tokenized assets to do billions of dollars of, of repo trades weekly. You um, f- may have seen recently Franklin Templeton announced that they've got an on-chain money market fund, uh, tokenized securities that operates on the platform Polygon. Uh, Tacit and Figure are companies in kind of in the banking space that are looking at tokenizing deposits um, as an alternative to stablecoins. So so those would be some recent examples. The blockchain that these things typically run on are high-speed blockchains, so Polygon, Algorand, Stellar. You're talking about blockchains that have high transactions per second. Uh, Most of those are up near 50,000 transactions per second because, again, you're talking about trading and and trading platforms have to be fast.
0: I I do want to kind of interject here, too, Larry, just because of terms and trying to avoid confusion. I mean, you mentioned stable coins. What are the differences in the, the distinctions between, say, a tokenized asset and a stable coin?
1: Yeah, so maybe better draw a better distinction between uh, tokenized deposits and stablecoins. Stablecoins could be a version, I mean, you, you could say stablecoins are a version of tokenizing a, the U.S. dollar. Uh, tokenized deposits are a little bit different. So the differences would be stablecoins typically operate on public permissionless blockchains, meaning anyone can join, anyone can transact, there's no limitations, whereas a tokenized deposit would operate on a permission blockchain that would be secure that would have limitations in terms of knowing your customer. Uh, those would be two big distinctions. Um, uh, permission blockchain may be domestic, whereas a permission one might be uh, international. So there are some differences there. And so when I when I said stable coins versus say tokenized deposits, th- those would be two different types of, say tokenized assets. Uh, the deposits could also be rehypothecated, where, whereas stable coins typically would not be and would be required to be fully backed one for one, whereas uh, de- tokenized deposits could be uh, lent back out on a fractional reserve basis.
0: Okay, that sounds good. So, okay, so we're, I'm looking at this and you're looking at a, a tokenized asset. How do you determine the underlying value? of an asset and and do you have to do periodic audits or just uh, occasionally assess, reassess those assets over time? I mean, how how does that work exactly?
1: So if it's a digital asset and it already exists on chain, it's pretty easy to see the value. Um, If it's a real world asset, it becomes a bit more difficult. I think the real value is tokenizing of real world assets. And in fact, City, there's a number of predictions in all of these, are predictions by 2030. So let's see, seven years from now, City estimates that four to five trillion dollars of real-world assets will be tokenized. Um, there's a trading firm, ADDX, or a trading company that they've estimated 16 trillion. Boston Consulting Group has estimated 30 trillion, with a best case uh, uh, example of 68 trillion. Those are some big numbers and just for like comparison purposes uh, ETFs in 2020 were about seven trillion dollars so we're talking really large numbers of real world assets eventually coming on chain your question as to like how would these things be validated well like think about if we were to com- commercialize real uh, say tokenized commercialized real estate, the things you'd want to know as an investor in that tokenized real estate would be things like, well, what's a percent of occupancy? Uh, is rent being collected? What's, what's that amount? Are there any liens, taxes? Um, you know, Those sorts of things you'd want to be able to take to, to get information on and the way those things you typically get information is through something called an Oracle. A um, good example would be Chainlink. There are other types of oracles out there, but the, the, that's basically a platform that would feed real-world information to those digitized uh, or, or tokenized assets. So the tokenized assets and benefits could be trading 24-7, 365 at a much lower cost. There still are real-world contracts and real-world attributes associated with those that have to be validated and have to be audited. So you know none of that goes away, it just happens. At a later point in time, a little bit slower, but the actual trade uh, can happen instantaneously.
0: And, and exactly, how do those attributes for, say, a real-world asset? How do how do they get loaded um, onto the blockchain? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So the so chainlink basically links to the blockchain that those real-world assets would be residing on and Chainlink via various APIs will constantly update the information about those underlying assets. It's it's a bit more complicated probably for this conversation, but it's worth knowing that those underlying assets of those physical items do change and you have to have some way of providing those updates to those investors in those digital assets or, or tokenized assets.
0: And I know you mentioned J.P. Morgan Chase. You mentioned Templeton, but are, are there other use cases that you're seeing both within the financial services industry as well as outside the industry? I mean, any anything that people should really take note of?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of companies have been experimenting with these things. Uh, again, tokenizing bonds, tokenizing securities. Uh, there's a European company called Signum or European bank that's uh, they tokenized. Uh, fractional reserves or, or, or fractional ownership of a, of a piece of art of a piece of picasso um, goldman sachs been playing with uh, digital issuance registration settlement custody of various digital assets um bnp paribas is another one that's done some tokenization of esg bonds you mentioned jp morgan before they utilize polygon to issue uh, tokenized JPM deposits as part of their project, or uh, part of MAS's project, Guardian. So, I mean, there, there's a there's a lot of use cases out there. Again, the reason these companies, <clears throat> most of them banks, are getting involved in tokenizing real world assets is ability to reduce the cost of those trades, to speed those trades up, um, to allow people to protect, allow more people to participate in those trades. To um, to improve the security and then ultimately to automate these things via smart contracts. And, and that's a big one.
0: So Larry, you know, earlier in our conversation, you brought up the concept of tokenizing deposits. Um, I've heard that, that there are banks out there that are exploring that. And um, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on the what are the associated benefits with, with offering that kind of service or that kind of product?
1: Yeah, so, um, Probably that the one of the best the largest benefits would be able to conduct trades with us dollars outside of tra- traditional banking hours. So if you had say a commercial client that wanted to conduct trades and you had a bank holiday, or it was on a weekend, they would have to wait till the next day to conduct trades. Um, there's again, number of companies out there, tacit and figure technologies, being two of them that are working with banks and financial institutions to tokenize deposits. In fact, um, the CEO of of figure technologies or the USDF foundation, Robert Morgan, um, he's going to be at one of our future tech talks, but uh, recently heard him speak. And again, talked a lot about improving liquidity, improving speed of settlement, uh, reducing costs. And, you know, as opposed to say FedNow, it's something that banks can do today at arguably even a lower cost. Um, They can have more control over it. The integration efforts are a lot less daunting than they are with say FedNow. So it gives similar sort of performance as FedNow, um, but at much lower costs and and something they can do immediately. One of the other benefits would be if if you're like a correspondent bank or you've got international banking, uh, in, in theory, you could transact internationally depending on what blockchain you use and how you set that up, whereas it, it, without necessarily the, having to use a correspondent bank to do that international transaction, whereas FedNow, at least for the foreseeable future, is domestic transactions only.
0: And, but I mean, obviously FedNow, when it launches and should it gain traction i mean that would provide just an alternative avenue for for doing some of the similar tasks
1: yeah and it could be very much complementary with a with a with a diesel or tokenized dollar
0: and but they would also run sort of separately if i if i would understand it correctly i mean for example i know the rtp network isn't in sync with fed now i assume this would be the same thing with uh with a digit with a tokenized deposit
1: I know some of the CEOs of the kind of tokenized deposit offers um, have talked about FedNow and, you know, integrating that into mm. their offering now as to, to how that is integrated and what additional benefits that provides. Uh, they, they'd probably be best to answer that. Sure.
0: Um, let's look at the, the regulatory environment. Um, what are you hearing from Washington in terms of, you know, what they're looking at. Will there be any kind of legislative or regulatory intervention, involvement, uh, oversight of this? I mean, what, what's the lay of the land there?
1: Yeah, so tokenized real world assets or, or, or tokenized securities are running into much the same headaches that cryptocurrencies are, a lot of it because the, the regulators aren't drawing a distinction between the two. Um, we saw the SEC early on, go after and and with enforcement actions on some of the earlier kind of security tokens that were out there. Um, I think as they get more familiar with the landscape and realize these things, you know, provide a very different sort of solution than cryptocurrency, I think they'll get more comfortable with that and they may or may not be deemed securities. Uh, Right now, a lot of the, the financial institutions that could benefit from this primarily banks, um, are nervous about getting involved in anything blockchain or digital asset related. A lot of it because the, the recent joint letters from the Fed and the OCC and FDIC, and I believe there were two of them, one in February and one in January, uh, both didn't do a very good job differentiating between you know involvement in crypto assets, which is still totally legal and blockchain. Uh, blockchain really is that underlying technology. There's no reason that financial institutions shouldn't be pursuing it. But I think a lot of them that may not understand those distinctions saw those letters, just got frightened by them. And as a result, aren't pursuing the technologies. But uh, those those benefits are coming. Uh, if you look inter- internationally, that's where we see most of the activity. Uh, Singapore, Europe, um, Israel, Brazil. I mean, all of those countries are pursuing tokenizing of real world assets. They're experimenting with it. They're finding ways of reducing costs. I mentioned in this country, JP Morgan, Onyx, uh, Franklin Templ- Templeton and others, they're doing it here. Uh, so it, it's its definitely the future. When regulation catches up to it is, is probably when we'll really see it take off in this country but I can't imagine we're any farther than a year year and a half away from that.
0: So with that in mind, Larry, you know, what what's your advice to financial institutions that are intrigued, interested in this space? I mean, what should they be doing now to evaluate or even go as far as setting up the infrastructure to to do this at some point in time?
1: Yeah, I'd say reach out to someone like ourselves, to talk through different use cases, because you know there are some better use cases than others for tokenized real world assets. Um, one good example would be, uh, you know, cross border or trade finance. Trade finance is is an excellent example where something like that can be useful. And you know, tokenizing of real world assets may or may not be as advantageous as say tokenizing a deposit or maybe you've got a securities business and so tokenizing the securities could be a benefit. Um, There are a lot of companies right now that are looking at tokenization of real estate as investment opportunities. And we've seen some interest from financial institutions in offering self-directed investment offers. So the likes of a Robinhood or an Acorn and we're starting to see those type of companies look at alternative asset classes and some of those alternative asset classes are tokenized real world assets. So those could be tokenized music, it could be tokenized real estate, it could be something else. Um, and you know that provides maybe a younger clientele an opportunity to get into investment class that historically they haven't been able to get access to. Uh, we've also seen a lot of tokenizing of money markets and US treasuries where they're getting, providing more access to clientele that historically haven't had access to those types of asset um, classes.
0: And then, and then lastly, just again, looking at, at it through the regulatory lens, Larry, I mean, are there particular just types of general banking regulations that folks should be just kind of double checking, triple checking? I mean, I, you know, with potential transactional uh, use cases, I mean, are, are we looking at BSA, AML or anything like that? I mean, are those things that people should just be, you know, keeping an eye on as they uh, try to put a program in place?
1: BSA AML licensing money transfer laws um, you know securities regulations those are all things that we would help our clients certainly consider um, talking with your whether it's your state or federal regulator or whether it's you know if you're a bank is OCC or FDIC or Fed if you're you know credit unions NCUA really just letting your regulator know what you're looking to do and reasons for it um there your financial institution is going to find the regulators a lot more friendly if you're looking at using blockchain or tokenizing real world assets as a way of lowering transactional costs or providing additional access to finance um then they may say launching uh, a speculative Trading platform for cryptocurrency. So not to say that that isn't something you'd want to do, but you know you have to be able to explain it properly to the regulator as as to what what your use cases are and um, where you're planning on going with it. And then I would I would also just leave with you know look overseas to what number of international banks are doing because um, that's where we see an awful lot of tokenizing of again bonds securities artwork commodities those sorts of things Um, and and what the underlying benefits are they're they're having some really good success cases around the world and uh you know don't 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 just look to the u.s for uh for examples look internationally as well
0: that sounds good and it certainly seems like this is going to be an evolving uh area where there will be opportunities for innovation over time. And and we'll probably see increased use cases as people, you know, find more ways to apply the underlying technology. Agreed. Well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate uh, you making the time and uh, look forward to having you back onto the podcast soon. Very good. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to firmer ground from SRM. Please stay tuned for our upcoming podcasts. Until then, you can visit us at srmcorp.com or on LinkedIn and Twitter.